Today's scripture is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. Hear these words of scripture. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us join in prayer. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be recreated and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of your faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit, we may be truly wise and ever enjoy your consolations through Christ our Lord. Amen. Last night, Peg was talking to Heidi, and I was invited to preach here this morning, and I said, what's the scripture? And Peg said, Heidi's not sure, she doesn't have it in front of her, it's something from Matthew 5, somewhere around 44 to 46 or something like that. So right after that, I opened the Brexville United Methodist Church website and I looked at the scripture and I read the scripture that Matt just read for us. And I was astounded. I was shocked. I was amazed that God had already planned for me to be here at this moment, and that God had prepared me already for such a time as this. Well, how could that be, you might say? Ash, how could God have known that Heidi would call you and ask you to be here? Let me tell you an amazing thing that happened just this week. My first appointment was in the village of Iberia, Ohio. Does anybody know where Iberia is? Nope. Well, I tell people it's a little bit warmer than Siberia and a little cooler than Liberia, and it's not quite as far. It is in north-central Ohio, just an hour north of Columbus, and it just happens to be five miles away and on the same road as my last church I served, St. Paul United Methodist in Galleon. So it's five miles away from Galleon, Iberia. I started there. Went full circle by way of Conneaut, where I met Heidi when she was 14, and I was her pastor there. Went to Boardman, and then God brought me back to what God said was God's country. Now, you might not agree with that, but I'll tell you why it was God's country for me this week. A family called me the week before on Friday and said, your friend Phil Letham, my dad, is dying of cancer and he just entered hospice care. Would you be willing to do his funeral? Phil loved you so much when you were his pastor 30 years ago. 
and he hasn't been back to church for several years. So he remembers you and he wants you to do his funeral. So I went to visit Phil on Tuesday. Phil was no longer conscious and communicative. And he died that night, Tuesday night. And the next morning I got a call from the family and the funeral director if I could do the funeral on Saturday. So I made plans to go to Iberia and I decided to stay at the home of another friend whom I've known 30 years, Jim McGuire, who has a little factory right across the street from, Jim, from Phil's house. And his house is across another street from there, across 309. So I was going to stay right near Phil's house. Phil, the friend who died, stay with Jim. Jim's factory has a big bulletin board out front and he puts messages on that every single week. Or sometimes they run for two or three or five weeks, I don't know. But over the years, as I've driven past on my way to Marion from Galleon or any time past that, the messages have always had something to say that was of a political nature. And Jim made it very clear where he stands in his politics. He's one of my right-wing conservative, no, that's not right, ultra-right-wing, ultra-conservative friends. And his messages have always been like that. I'm right down the middle, moderate. So most of the time I'd read it and go, oh yeah, Jim, that's you. And he doesn't care, he'll tell everybody about that. He's very intent on spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. He'll tell anybody, are you saved? He'll ask them. But he's got a very thriving business, multi-million dollar empire that he's built, one person. And so I went there to Jim's place. I went to Phil's first, and then I went to Jim's place. And I came to realize that the sign had changed and it now said something that astounded, amazed me because it was so unlike Jim to put a sign like that up. I read it three times. And the next two days as I stayed there and did the funeral, I went by it several times and read it again and again. And I was so amazed by that sign that I had to look it up on the internet. And here's what the sign said. Don't I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Abe Lincoln. Don't I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? And at the bottom, Abe Lincoln. Now, when I looked it up, I realized that maybe Abe Lincoln said that. Maybe he didn't. We're not sure about that. Maybe he did. It's very likely he did. Someone said that was the culture that surrounded him. Everybody was against him and against the idea of doing away with racism. He himself may have been a racist too, but he stood for something that was taught by Jesus. And he fought for that and became the president of the United States of America. Now, to see that sign in front of Jim's place got me thinking. And when I read today's message. Guess what? I was meant to be here today and to share with you what I believe about those words. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute or harass you. Become and be the children of God and bring about heaven on earth.
Jesus didn't just say it, he lived it. You know the story so well. On the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus taught his disciples to love even the ones who were betraying him, Judas. And on the next day, he went to his death on the cross for the sake of his enemies and his friends alike. The scripture he's, he left us says, God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And Jesus lived that out by dying on the cross for everyone. And somebody got the message right away. You read about Stephen in the book of Acts. You know about Stephen. He was selected as one of the deacons of the church to do service and bring justice to the poor widows. But Stephen stood up for his belief in Christ Jesus and his teachings. And they stoned him for it. They stoned him for it, but as he was dying, Stephen said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Just like Jesus said the same thing. So these are Jesus' instructions to us today. Is to have no enemies, or if you have enemies, make them your friends and you will destroy their enemyship. Enemyship? Yes, call it that if you will. Okay, so how does this work in real life? Well, first, you know, Jesus gives us an, a very clear idea of what to do about it. Love your enemies. Does anybody not have enemies? Everybody's got an enemy. Maybe you don't think of it as an enemy, but it's somebody who has opposed you at some time in your life, perhaps way back when you were a child. Enemies, love your enemies, he says. Love them first. And then do something else. Pray for them. Pray for them. Very simple, clear instructions. So how does this work? I want to give you a couple of examples. There was a boy who was in the fifth grade, 10 years old, and he was the youngest in his class. In fact, he turned 10 that year in the fifth grade, two months after school began in August. He turned 10 in September. The first week of school, he discovered who the bully was in his class. Another boy in his class was the biggest one. He was one of the older kids in the fifth grade. And that big boy used to pick on all the little ones. He picked up this fifth grader on the playground at recess, the end of the first week in school, and slammed him down. And the teacher called the parents of the little boy in the fifth grade and said, your son got hurt, but I don't think it's too bad. You know, everybody's concerned about liability issues. And I said, how badly did my son get hurt? Yes, it's my son I'm talking about. Not the big one you know, not Russ. And the teacher said, well, it's not too bad. What happened, I said. Well, another boy named Philip body slammed him on the playground. I didn't even know what body slamming is. So as soon as he got home, I had to ask him, what's body slamming? And he told me, this kid picked me up and he threw me down. He slammed my body on the ground. And I said, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, I have a plan. Next week, I'm going to make friends with a bunch of kids and we're going to go beat him up. 
I said, that's a great plan. Your older brother tried that once, and it didn't work. And I tried it once many years ago. You may not believe this, but it happened to me too. And I tried it, and it didn't work with me. What do you mean? And I said, here's what'll happen. Think about this. You get, say, two friends together, and the three of you go gang up and beat up Philip. Pick on him when you're right out of school, on his way home. Next day, Philip goes and gets two or three of his friends who are bigger than all three of you, and all three of you get beat up. Then what are you going to do? Oh, I'll get three more. So there'll be six of us, and then Philip's going to get three more, right? Okay, and it goes on that way. Next thing you know, you got a war in the fifth grade. That's not going to work, and nobody's happy, and everybody's hurt. Well, Papa, what shall I do? Fortunately, I didn't say to him, what would Jesus do? That was a big slogan back then when he was in the fifth grade. But I didn't say that to him. What I did say was, how about you become friends with Philip and then see what happens? Most likely, if you become friends with him, he will help you and protect you. And you can help him. Is he good at math and science and English? Oh, no, he's one of the worst students. He repeated two grades. That's why he's in the fifth. Okay, then maybe you can help him and make him a friend and see where it goes. Two weeks later, three weeks went by, and my son did something that shocked and surprised us. He invited Philip to his birthday party, and Philip showed up, and Philip had no gift for him. He came from a poor family, he lived on the other side of the railroad tracks from the school. And Philip brought no present, but that was okay because my son let him open a couple of his own presents and said, pick what you want and take something with you. Philip looked out for my son from that point on. My son made a friend of an enemy. He destroyed the enemy and made him a friend. That's what Jesus wanted him to do. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you that you may become a child of your Father in heaven. My son learned a lesson the hard way, and I think for a little time, Philip listened and learned a lesson the good way, and life went on. There are times when any one of us has experienced persecution or somebody who just opposes us in various things, maybe gets a different idea from us, we can react with anger, try to take revenge, things like that, or be unforgiving for a long period of time. You know what unforgiveness is? My wife taught me this. Unforgiveness is like taking poison and wishing the other person would die. And it works on yourself. And it tears you up inside eventually. Instead of that, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And watch how God changes lives in the process. One more example and then I'll be done. My parents taught at a seminary in central India for many years. I grew up in central India in a town called Jabalpur. And the seminary, Leonard Theological College, was named for an Ohio bishop of the Methodist Church, A.B. Leonard. How about that? Funny connections in my life all over the place. Well, life for me was great as a child. 
from the age of two until the age of 15, 16, 17, something like that, my best friend happened to be another boy named Philip. Funny how that name keeps popping up in my life. Philip and I were such good friends. Philip's family lived near ours. We grew up together. And then we went apart our separate ways. I came to the US, lived here, didn't have contact with him. Then we reconnected years later when I was the pastor in Iberia. Philip ended up in Pittsburgh and we reconnected and became friends all over again. And Philip is still my friend to this day. He's now a transplant surgeon. What I didn't realize until years later, my parents finally told me there was a huge feud between Philip's father and my grandfather. My grandfather did everything he could, but Philip's father did everything he could against my grandfather. And he was particularly jealous that my grandfather was selected as the dean of the seminary. He didn't like my grandfather and he didn't like my family. And he took it out on others in the family. The years went by. And that man, Philip's father, Dr. Thomas, moved away from that campus. My parents moved away from that campus. They went to the South and started opening counseling centers and teaching pastoral care. Philip's father, Dr. Thomas, went to South India and was the principal of their denominational seminary. Now watch where this goes. Three weeks ago, my mother passed away very peacefully in her sleep, Sunday morning, three weeks ago today. That evening, that afternoon, that evening, we started receiving condolence messages. And there were two messages from people at the seminary where Dr. Thomas went to be the principal. And those two messages told me something I never knew. I told you my parents started counseling centers in India. I knew about five of them. I did not know until just three weeks ago that the sixth one they started was at the seminary where Dr. V.P. Thomas became the principal. And get this, he was the one who invited my parents to come there and start their counseling center for training of pastors in counseling and for ministering and counseling the people of that area, that city. Something changed. And I know what it was. It was that people listened to Jesus and did what he asked them to do, to make their enemies their friends. And all the old rivalries were forgiven and laid aside. And to this day, my parents are remembered there for starting their counseling center. Amazing. God works through us with three simple rules that we can follow. Do no harm, do good. That's what this is about, do good. And stay in love with God. Did you all get the backstory on the three simple rules last week? Did Heidi share that with you? Some of you, yep. Some of you are going, no, don't know about it. You can look it up. Basically, a group of nine or 10 men came to John Wesley and said, all these rules to be a part of church and to be Christian are so complicated and so many of them we can't possibly follow them all can't you can't you simplify it and he said come back tomorrow night I'll give you my answer so they came back the next night and he said three general rules that's what he called them we call them simple rules today 
do no harm, which was the Hippocratic Oath, do good, and he said, observe all the ordinances that pertain to God. And the, today you might say, what are these ordinances that pertain to God? That's Holy Communion, prayer, meditation, reading the scripture, all of these things, everything that brings you closer to God. Bishop Reuben Job simplified those even simpler and called them three simple rules. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. Can you do that? Come back next week and find out the third part of this, staying in love with God. For today, Jesus said to do good by loving your enemies as much as you love your friends and yourself. May God grant you the grace and peace to do good. Amen.
We have some prayer requests I'd like to lift up to you. Shelley asks us to pray for Elizabeth, who has a lump in her neck, and pray for Dee and the difficulties of her new job. There's a prayer for Becca Borquin as she recovers from surgery. Kathy Gerard asks for prayers for her aunt Lydia, who's battling cancer. There are two requests for continued prayers for Kathy Sadka. Prayers for Linda Crouch's childhood friend, Jim, who begins radiation treatments tomorrow. And I want you to be praying for a man I knew in Galleon for nine years. His name is Bill, Bill Schweitzer. He left his house at 3.30 yesterday. He's 87 years old, drove away in his truck, and he has not been seen since. They're looking for him all over the state. Pray also for Heidi and her family. At least two of them that I know of are sick. And also lift up the people of Ukraine and other war-torn areas in this world. Pray for people who are in situations of abuse and pray for those with addictions. And now let us turn to the Lord in prayer. Oh God, we lift up all these people that we have named and we also name others in our hearts who are close to us. We also pray for those who oppose us in principle, in values, or in real life. Those we call our enemies and those we may not even realize are against us. We pray that you will change hearts, not only others, but ours own as well, and encourage us to do good in this world so that someday we can come and stand before you and you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. We thank you for breaking down the walls around us with the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray that his healing ministry may continue through the hands of the doctors and nurses, the caregivers. We pray that you will continue to lift up those who are suffering in mind, body, and spirit. We ask you to bring about the peace that is promised to us, the peace that will come not only in the time when Jesus comes back to earth, but also can be brought about through working with each other and doing away with wars and anger and resentment. Father, we know that Miracles can happen, and we pray that you will work those miracles in our midst and then help us to share the stories so that others can know that the love of Jesus fills this congregation, this town, and spreads from here on out. Oh God, we love you, and we pray all of this because you loved us first, and you encourage us to go on loving others. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, your Son, 
who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As you go from this place, follow the action steps that Jesus gave to do good. Love everybody and pray for them, even as you love yourself and love God above all else. And as you make your way in the world, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you and bring you peace. And speaking of peace, you know the Hebrew word for peace, shalom? Everybody knows that, right? What does it mean? It means wholeness, it means serenity, but it means more than that. It also means complete, well, wholeness. And anything that isn't broken in you, may that be brought to peace and wholeness as well. So I invite people to end the service with a very simple benediction. I say, go in peace, and I invite you to say, and not in pieces. Got that? Go in peace, and not in pieces. Amen. Do we stand for this last one or not? No, not particularly? Okay. I don't know. I'm new here. It's true.
right, y'all. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week. Thank you. A new hour, or, and this is amazing, guys. <laughs>